Welcome back, everybody. We're going to spin some yarn today. I know it has been a while. I am absolutely as apologetic as I can be for the radio silence. Uh, it's just been nuts with the PCS move. I'm, I'm officially in the Pacific Northwest, so who you out of that? Uh, I'm a first-time homeowner, which for any of you that have experienced that, um, wow, that's a, a life adventure. I spent a lot of my, uh, a lot of my leave just getting the house in order. Um, I decided it'd be a bright idea to build some furniture, which is insane. And, uh, a whole lot of other stuff, just getting everything in order, getting myself ready. And then, uh, I unexpectedly checked in early so that I could get a good turnover from the guy I was relieving. It's just madness, absolute madness. So I really apologize for the lack of content. Uh, I just, I just had to prioritize a bunch of stuff ahead of the podcast, uh, which breaks my heart. But the good news is, uh, in that downtime, I just my I'm busted at the seams with ideas and topics and discussions I've had with uh, shipmates and, and junior sailors and just experiences I've had since I've gotten out onto the boat. Uh, so a lot to talk about uh, in the upcoming weeks. I also have a podcast that so we got the developmental black hole topic that I've been talking about forever. I recorded it uh, at home in with my family when I was on leave and the sound quality was absolutely awful. Uh, and I tried everything I could to filter it and mess with it and uh, and stuff in the program that I used to edit the podcast, and it just was garbage. So I decided not to use it, and I haven't had the opportunity since I've unpacked my good mic and, and set everything up to sit down and actually re-record it. So that's upcoming. Uh, I'm really, again, sorry for the lack of content, but I got some stuff to talk about today on my drive home. Um, if you can hear the rain in the background, I'm sorry for that as well, but it is what it is. So let's get something out there. What I want to talk about is ethical gray areas okay we're going to talk about ethical gray areas so what does that mean uh i you know now that i've re- relieved as uh i'm so i'm a supply department enlisted advisor or a supply department chief uh, i'd probably be the the most platform neutral term i could use for the billet i'm filling now but primarily i'm the leading culinary specialist so i, I mean for those of you that, that don't know uh, it's just you're i'm essentially a divisional lcpo and a department chief at the same time because i'm on a submarine so uh that being said uh, you know, you take over and everybody's accountable for something, right? Uh, everybody's got administration associated with their rate, whether it be maintenance, uh, whether it be inventories, whatever it, whatever it is, there's, everybody's got paperwork. And so uh, as, I, as I go through and audit uh, paperwork and I kind of take a look at every, the status of the division and the department uh, and go through everything, uh, you start to find issues, as you will on any platform don't care how great the division is. I don't care if they aced their last inspection. There will always be some issues. There's going to be warts to find, right? Um, the key for me is that when those are found that they're not because people are operating in ethical gray areas. So when I say an ethical gray area, what I mean is something like you get into bad habits, bad habits form complacency. Complacency becomes outright just violation of of standards or rules or policies or whatever right um so it can start it they almost always start small because i like we've talked about in previous episodes i don't think anybody shows up to work with the intent to um to do a bad job to circumvent rules regulations or policies right it's going to start with something small that seems innocent uh it's going to start with little things where we cut one little tiny corner because it seems easier and seems it might even make sense you might even be able to rationalize or justify it uh in your mind or even with the book in your hand you might be able to point at something and be like well i can include this in that statement so we'll just add that in and that's just fine and it may be something that 
it is okay, but you're you're kind of starting to step into that gray area. When we're talking about ethical gray areas, the, the big thing to kind of understand is you're operating in a gray area, you, but you need to, in navigating that gray area, you need to find the line, right? There's going to be a line, and it's going to be clear when you step over it somewhat. And what, what I mean by clear is when you go from feeling like you're interpreting an instruction accurately and you're kind of using it to best affect what the intent of that instruction is, from there to that area where you feel a little dirty <laughs> when you think about what you might do or what you are doing, that's when you stepped across that line. And it and it kind of happens sometimes without us noticing. Um, whenever leadership allows those things to happen and that's where it's going to come from that's where those standards are going to come from that i'm going to be the one that draws that line for you i'm going to be the one that says you know you can come to right here and no further so when leadership kind of either isn't isn't drawing those lines for you isn't uh isn't clarifying those ethical grayers for you or they just don't know uh which the best way to know when you're operating those grayers and you don't clearly identify that line or you have trouble clearly identifying that line is ask somebody. Uh, one of the things that you'll you'll notice is a lot of people fear outside criticism, right? So one of the things that I, I habitually do and, and I'm perfectly fine with doing it because it makes me better, it makes my division better, it makes everyone better is I get outside opinions. So for me, that is in the form of the Navy food management team, uh, which is kind of like uh, the closest equivalent, I guess, I could probably point at for most of, of you as listeners would be like ATG, uh, where they come down and Navy Management Team uh, exists solely to train and advise and to, to help uh, the food service divisions on board ships get ready for inspection. Their literal motto is training, not inspection. Okay, So they come down and they do what they call assist visits. They come down. Uh, they go through all my stuff. They use the, the SMI checklist and the NAE checklists and those standards. And they just go through everything. And, and they put their eyes on my records and admin and sanitation practices and, and food handling practices and my menu and the food production and what the cooks are doing and how they're doing it, material condition of all my equipment and so on and so forth. And they let me know. They give me a status. They give me kind of a spot check on how I'm doing and what I need to do to improve, or they'll give me suggestions for best practices and how, how we can get better. Um, that is one of the mechanisms that I have available to me, right? Uh, ATG is one of the entities that you can bring down on your ship or your platform or your shore command or whatever uh, to kind of give you that outside insight. And it's not always a bad thing. A lot of people are afraid of that outside insight, outside kind of criticism because they think they're being inspected and they think that if the CO and XO and CMC or department head see or hear that negative criticism that they're going to get in trouble or it's going to make them look bad. It might affect their evals or award or whatever. That's how you get better. And if you frame it that way, if you explain it to the chain of command that I'm bringing them down because I want to have somebody else besides me look at all of our operation and kind of point out the weak areas so that we can improve before we get inspected that's good. And most triads are going to receive that very well. They're going to, all right, got it. Awesome. You brief them ahead of time. They don't want to see their ISIC or TICOM walking down on the ship with a clipboard in their hand without them knowing that'll cause a panic attack. But brief them ahead of time. Let them know what you're doing. Let them know why you're doing it. 
I mean, I've never had it not be received well uh, when I when I brief them on what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And then once they're done, either by myself with my supply officer or with that person from whatever entity that came down, I walk into their stateroom or, you know, to the chief's mess and talk to the cob and we debrief them on exactly what they found and uh, the way ahead, what I'm going to do to fix these problems. It gives them a warm fuzzy that you're on top of things. It gives you a lot of really great insight and feedback so that you can uh, so that you can get better and your operation can get better. And it'll define those ethical gray areas for you. So that's your opportunity to ask questions, to point at something in an instruction and be like, look, I'm interpreting this this way. I would like to do uh, something that I think falls within the confines of what this instruction is, is t- telling me and how I'm interpreting it. Am I correct in that interpretation? Am I correct in what I think I'm, I'm understanding this to say? And they're either going to tell you, yes, that's completely coloring inside the lines. I don't think any inspector or anybody would have any issue with that. Or they're going to tell you, ah, maybe not. Or here's a better way to accomplish the same goal, right? There's, there's a lot of experience to be tapped in, the, in those uh, outside looks. You get a lot of different insight. People will come at a problem in a way that you couldn't even imagine, and you, it will make you better, right? It, it's just gonna, it's just gonna make you uh, a better operation, and it's gonna help you clarify those boundaries. Like it's gonna draw that line for you when you have trouble drawing it for yourself. Um, so do those things. Have those people help you out if you have trouble defining those. Don't be afraid to talk to your chain of command about those as well. Uh, you don't want to be the senior person with a secret. We've all heard that saying before, right? So. Uh, anytime that you're op- operating a program, like let's say you're the RPPO for your division, I'm assuming that repair parts petty officer is a thing on surface ships as well. I could be wrong about that, but uh, it's kind of like a supply department representative in each division and they order repair parts. Uh, hopefully I'm correct in that assumption. But uh, so let's assume you're an RPPO and uh, you think that you can you can order, I don't know, dig it tools for your entire division, right? Don't just do that. Don't try to find some way to circumvent the system without talking to supply. Don't try to operate in an ethical gray area to accomplish that end goal without understanding that Optar can only be used for certain things and that if it's not mission essential, you might not get it or supply might not have the money or whatever. So that make sure that you are having those conversations and that you're not finding ways to make it happen. And then when somebody discovers how you made that happen, and you're on the wrong side of that boundary inside that ethical gray area that you're not finding yourself in hot water because you used that ethical gray area and, and the, the wiggle room that you did have to do it the wrong way uh, because it's a slippery slope and you'll find yourself in hot water a lot of times and shrugging your shoulders, throwing your hands up and saying, this is how we always did it or so-and-so told me it was okay or whatever uh, when they turned this program over to me. But if you had asked those questions, you could have avoided that landmine. So... Uh, ethical gray areas was something that popped up for me recently and it was something I kind of wanted to touch on because I feel like it's something that we probably all have issues with. Sometimes it's because we operate on tribal knowledge and we're not in the book enough. Sometimes it's because we're reading the book, but we're not asking the right questions or getting clarification from the right people. Sometimes it's because this, our, our eyes are the only ones staring at a problem for so long that we're just not seeing a, a very clear and obvious path to the correct solution. So we take the wrong path because we didn't ask somebody from the outside to take a look at that same problem and, and point out that path. You know, we get kind of cross-eyed sometimes and miss things because we've been looking at the problem for so long. So just take, 
take those little lessons and and when you're when you're operating in any kind of a gray area, ethically or otherwise, uh, that you ask those questions, that you take the time to utilize the resources to make sure that we're all you know operating within the sandbox that the Navy uh, the Navy gave us to play in, so so that everybody not only you know stays out of trouble and is doing the right thing, but uh, is making sure that the charges that uh, that they lead are doing the right thing. Uh, so that's what I got for you today. I'm almost home, uh, so I got a whole bunch more spin the yarn topics, kind of bouncing around in my head. I got a couple of podcast topics outside the one that I still owe you for episode 23 bouncing around in my head as well. Uh, I hope you've all been well and uh, and haven't been uh, haven't been missing me too much if you're missing me at all. But uh, enjoy this one. I hope you got something out of it, and I got a lot more to come. So keep doing what you're doing out there, killing the game out there in the fleet, and don't give up the ship. Yeah.